Our second scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and it is one that we normally hear during Advent, but sometimes when we take a scripture out of its typical context, we are able to hear it in a new way. And so, hear now the word of the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Several months ago, when Rich and Meredith and I were considering topics for a fall sermon series, we landed on the idea of preaching on biblical characters who are often forgotten, or characteristics of biblical heroes that are often forgotten. Our intention is to bring these characters or characteristics out of the shadows and into the light. And so we begin with two rather obscure but remarkably important women from the Old Testament, Shipra and Pua. I'm tempted to ask how many folks had heard the story of Shipra and Pua before. Most readers start paying attention a few verses later, when Moses is rescued from the wrath of Pharaoh. Disney transformed the book of Exodus into an animated movie a few decades ago, and they certainly didn't spend any time with Shipra and Pua. A Baptist minister once told the story about his first encounter with Shipra and Pua. Not the Hebrew midwives, but a seminary classmate's house cats. He innocently asked Shipra and Pua's owner how they got such strange names, and immediately realized he was in for a lesson about the power of women's witness in the Bible, which his upbringing had conveniently avoided. He was told in no uncertain terms He should reread the book of Exodus, if not for extra credit, at least to get back into the good graces of his classmate 
and her cats. Shipra and Pua may not be well known, but they are truly some of the most important actors in the history of the Hebrew people. If not for their courage, there may never have been an Israelite people. As midwives, they assisted in the birth of a people, literally and figuratively, but not without great risk. It helps to recall the context of the saga. Back in Genesis, Joseph of the amazing dream coat, we may recall, he was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. Joseph did not stay a slave in Egypt. He became one of Pharaoh's favored government officials. But as we turn the page from Genesis to Exodus, a new Pharaoh is in town. He saw the Israelites as a threat. No matter that they came to Egypt to escape famine, no matter that the Hebrew Joseph had served his new nation faithfully, they were immigrants to be mistrusted, foreigners to be feared. They talked differently and lived differently, ate different food, and on top of that, there were just far too many of them. The land was filled with them. Pharaoh fretted that there were so many of them they could rise up against the rightful inhabitants of the land. And so, out of irrational fear and small-minded prejudice, the refugees were no longer safe in the land of Egypt. They were forced into slavery by cruel taskmasters. Yet Pharaoh's treatment of the Israelites had an opposite effect on their numbers. I have to say, I, I cringe with the biblical language here and the way that it mimics the way you talk about household pests. The narrator could just as easily be talking about carpenter ants. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And truly, the Egyptians had just about as much respect for the Israelites as a householder feels toward those pesky ants. Pharaoh and the Egyptians no longer treated the Israelites as human beings. They were slaves, subhuman, at first unworthy of their freedom, and then, ultimately, unworthy of life itself. And so, Shipra and Pua were called in to enact the solution to Pharaoh's security problem. They were midwives, remember. Their hands had been consecrated to bring life into the world. And now they were being commanded by the king to use those hands to extinguish the lives of every Hebrew boy they were called upon to deliver. But the midwives could not do this because the midwives feared God. Fear of the Lord, as it is often 
used in that phrase, fear of the Lord gets a bad rap, as if fearing God were the same thing as being afraid of God. It is not. Fearing God is about profound reverence. It's something like beholding an exquisite sunset or a majestic waterfall only multiplied by every sunset and every waterfall in creation, and then some. Fearing God is recognizing that God is ultimately holy, worthy of honor and glory and worship and praise. Fearing God is standing in awe of God's boundless love, positively gobsmacked that this love just keeps going wondrously and without condition. Fearing God means knowing that sometimes the law of the land is not a law to be obeyed. Eugene Peterson defines fear of the Lord as the stock biblical phrase for the way of life that is lived responsively and appropriately before God. Simple as that. And so when those midwives weighed the murderous request of the Pharaoh, with their understanding of the life-giving, creative power of God, their way was clear. They disobeyed Pharaoh to collaborate with the Creator. They practiced nonviolent resistance, civil disobedience, peaceful protest. They practiced their faith in a God who does not tolerate genocide just because a scaredy-cat king says it must be done. Their method was brave but simple. They just continued to do their sacred work of delivering newborn life into the arms of loving mothers and fathers. Because their fear of the Lord gave them courage to disobey Pharaoh, the nation of Israel was born. Moses would come along soon after. Moses himself would be saved by the compassion of another woman, the Pharaoh's own daughter, plucking him out of the river in his Moses basket for safekeeping. God would use Moses to lead the people out of slavery, to give them a law and forge with them a covenant. They would journey to Jerusalem and build a temple and lose a temple and go into exile and once again be oppressed by a cruel empire. And then, eventually, one of the descendants of those Israelite slaves would be born to a woman named Mary. And he would change everything. Which brings us to our other reading, the one from Luke. I'm pretty sure these scriptures are not often paired together, but they are a story and a song quite well matched. 
In the Magnificat, Mary's soul magnifies the Lord. And it is astounding to witness how a peasant girl's soul can shine such a powerful magnifying glass on God. Her words reveal the nature of God and what a nature it is. Listen to another translation of her proclamation. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe of him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. This great canticle of praise has empowered the oppressed and unnerved the oppressors for millennia. Mary, who knows our Creator so intimately that she carries the Son of God in her womb, sings of a God who reaches down and touches the pain of his people. This God lifts the victims of economic poverty and political violence and draws them into gentle arms, the way a mother hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings. And this God sends the proud packing, the powerful and corrupt leaders who are fluent in the ways of violence and domination are deposed. The rich who have hoarded the stuff of creation for their own purposes are sent away with nothing to show for their greed. Mary sings of a world turned upside down, a world in which peace and justice are not impossible wishes, but miraculous realities. In the fullness of time, through the life death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and with the collaboration of his followers, it will be so. It is quite a butterfly effect, what God began through those midwives. So, thanks be to God, for Shipra and Pua, for Mary, and for all the women and men who do justice because they fear God. May we be courageous enough to join their ranks. Amen.